there, it's Agasko Tripiec. Today we have a Singapore bonus episode for you, our interview with Chef Petrina Law. When we were conducting the interviews for the main Singapore episode, Petrina was traveling in Japan and Korea, doing her food research and looking for inspiration for the menu at Morsels, the restaurant she owns. We missed her back then, but we caught up with her upon her return. Petrina received the World Gourmet Award as the best female chef in Singapore this year, in 2022. But before seriously venturing to the culinary world, Petrina was a banker for 10 years. We'll unpack this story as well as what Petrina serves at Morsels and her secret places for comfort food in Singapore right after this. I'm Agas Kocipiec and this is TravelZoom. I love traveling. I have lived in seven countries across three continents. And in this podcast, I explore places beyond the surface. Because traveling is not only about landmarks and attractions, it's about immersing yourself in new cultures, discovering hidden gems you won't find in a guidebook, and in the process, becoming a true citizen of the world. by saying your name and what you do. Hi, I'm Petrina, chef owner of Morsels, my restaurant located at Dempsey in Singapore. Awesome. So by the way, happy belated birthday. I know oh. you've been busy <laughs> recently traveling, I think, in Japan, Korea. The pictures on Instagram look really good. Yeah, in Korea, I was just pretty much doing some food research. Petrina, you have a very interesting story. Before venturing into becoming a chef, You were a banker for about 10 years. What can you tell us about it? And uh, looking back, was this a good move? So I studied finance and marketing in my undergrad. I mean, like typical Asian parents, university degree is always important. So I just went with that. And then I became a private banker and my banking career was for 10 years. I believe there is a time and place. I've always been very creative as a person and been interested in various creative activities like art, I paint in my free time. And I think cooking is also something very artistic, it's artistic expression. But it just took me a a while to get to being a chef. But I don't think the time is wasted in in my career as a banker. I always believe there's time and place. There's definitely key takeaways from my previous career and how I can use it in my current job. I mean, now, currently, I'm not just a chef, but I also own the restaurant. So there are a lot more responsibilities. I handle finances, social media, the marketing, the PR. So I think all that actually kind of set some foundation to my current career. That makes sense. There's a lot of debate. If follow your passion is actually a good career advice to give to young people. It's awesome. It worked for you. It not always does work. But as you said, I speak to a lot of chefs and what strikes me, especially for chefs like you who also own their restaurants, how much grit it takes to actually set this up and to get that running. I had a case where I interviewed a chef at 1.30 a.m. Saturday, his time, because he couldn't do it any other time. He said, like, listen, I'm six days a week in a restaurant. The creative process, the logistic of ingredients, everything takes so much time that it's just tremendously hard thing to do. Being chef is hard, but then being chef in a restaurant is really tough. I've also been reading you saying how hard you work to do the transition and set things up. Has that gotten any easier over time? Next year will be the restaurant's 10th year anniversary. 
So I've been doing this for 10 years now. <laughs> Time has flown by, but um, I am definitely the first five to six years of running the restaurant was the hardest in my life. I slept very little, possibly like three to four hours every day. There's a bunch of stuff that is, is definitely very difficult. You know, you can't just step away from the restaurant. And because you own it, the responsibilities don't just stop just because a restaurant is closed for the weekend. Basically, I work seven days a week, 24 hours, I'm on call. So I'm pretty much like the chief maintenance officer as well. You never know when you lose staff. Or you, you never know when something will happen. So you just have to be pretty much a very good problem solver. Right. Is it still fun? It's fun, not just because of the day-to-day operations in the restaurant, but I think the people I met along the way. In the past 10 years, the places I got to visit, the artisans, the farmers, the winemakers, the sake brewers, I think all that really made my journey very interesting. Just because of the people I met that belong to different parts of the food industry. I treasure that a lot. Right. So let's talk about morsels. Can you tell us what kind of restaurant it is and what do you serve there? And how do you bring your creativity into the menu? I think morsels, when I first set it up, I just moved home from California. I used to live in San Francisco. San Francisco is pretty much a melting pot of different cultures and flavors. And I wanted to showcase that. That was when I set up morsels in 2013. Um, but through the years, I think I've also evolved and found my footing. We're still pretty much an Asian fusion restaurant, but I chose to focus a lot on fermentation, nourishment, and using Chinese medicine, like herbs, natural spices, a lot of that in my cooking. So you might find flavors that you've never had before. I don't explicitly tell people this dish is like nourishing for this and that because it's just a lot to say and a lot to explain but um, pretty much when I create something it always has a nourishment aspect to it besides the flavor and that can be derived from a lot of natural ingredients that we already have spices combination of certain Chinese herbs um, even fresh herbs and the fermentation process actually not just adds a great amount of flavor and umami in the food but also it's good for you So you might find we do a lot of different kind of kimchi, that's one thing. But we also do our own like mushroom garam, we do beef garam. It's also the whole process of making food sustainable and uh, practicing zero waste. So to me, those are a few key points that is a must in the restaurant. This is incredible and actually rings a bell. So there is this French chef I interviewed for Paris episode and she also lived and acquired her skills in California and that zero waste philosophy is definitely coming up quite a lot. That's great. Let's dig further. What's your bestseller or signature dish? What we do is I keep five of our signature dishes that I've had since 2013. One of the very popular dishes will be the steamed Venus clams. But instead of your typical white wine broth, I actually use a broth that I grew up drinking. It's actually done with uh, chicken broth and uh, dried figs and Solomon's rhizome, which is another Chinese herb. And I put kimchi, our homemade kimchi in there to balance it. Otherwise, the dried figs tend to be a little bit sweet. 
So some of our customers like, oh, why is your broth so sweet? I don't use any sugar. I'm not a fan of using white sugar just because it's, it's inflammatory and I don't really like to use it in my cooking. Although a lot of Asian recipes actually do use white sugar. I mean, if we did use any sugar, it's always brown sugar or molasses. But this dish, the steamed beans clams has been on our menu and very highly popular. I think people will scold me if I take it out. <laughs> Although I, I am toying with um, the idea of just wiping everything out next year since it's our 10th year, you know, maybe we should just start on a clean slate, but we'll see. <laughs> We keep five dishes on the menu that doesn't change. So steamed Venus clams with fig broth, that's one. We have a grilled octopus with squid ink risotto and salted egg sauce that's highly popular as well. Salted egg sauce is very popular in the local context in Singapore. We also have a firecracker pulled pork pasta that doesn't change. And our signature Milo tiramisu. So we do a tiramisu but with put in white miso, shiro miso. So it's a little bit savory, so those we don't take out. But the rest of the menu, uh, pretty much 75% of the menu, we change it every six months. And then in between, I do some small changes depending on uh, seasonal ingredients I can get. And we also have omakase menu, which is whatever, whenever, um, you know, we see some interesting ingredients and we want to put it on the special menu, that's when you might see that. Yeah, sounds amazing and definitely very creative. You won the World's Gourmet Award as the female chef of the year 2022 in Singapore. Did this whet your appetite for more prestigious awards like Michelin stars, for example? I don't think that has ever been in the plan, but if it comes, it comes. For me, I think the focus is not about the awards or, you know, rankings and all that. I think for me, it's about learning different cultures and then translating it to different dishes and sharing that with my guests. So when they come, they actually feel like, oh, you know, it's something exciting that I've never tried before. And especially sharing with them my travels, my experiences and meeting with local farmers, artisans and how I can use fermentation and to add this kind of umami with not using even any MSG. So I think for me, Just bringing delicious dishes to my guests is more important. Okay, fair enough. Let's talk about Singapore's culinary scene. So you've been a part of it for about 10 years right now. How would you describe it? Singapore is very interesting. It's very diverse, but yet it's quite repetitive. So when something is trendy, you'll find like something would trend very much. And then it dies off over time. So in Singapore, you actually see like a lot of restaurants open and close or they'll change concept. Because I think that's just how the market is here. But my manifest has always been to defy trends and to just cook what I want to cook, to learn and share that kind of knowledge. I kind of put blinders on. I don't really care what people are doing out there. For me, it's what I want to do at the present time and what I want to achieve and what I want to share. That's more important to me. But definitely a very colorful culinary scene in Singapore. Basically anything you want to get, you can get. Even Ethiopian cuisine, there is a restaurant now in Singapore. It's really a melting pot of different cultures, different styles. And definitely the Michelin Guide in Singapore has helped elevate that. So we have a lot of fine dining restaurants in Singapore as well. But where Morsels is, we, we're kind of in between the tier. We're semi-fine dining. And I like to remain that way. Okay. Great. So I've been hearing voices that it's hard for female chefs in Asia to make it through and frequently they're associated with pastry or dessert in this narrow culinary niche. 
you're an example that you can make it happen. But I'd be curious to hear if you agreed. I think there's definitely a social stigma. And given the trend, females have always been in the pastry world. But uh, for me, I, I, me and pastry don't really work well together because I don't really have a sweet tooth. I've always had a very savory tooth and that's where my interests lie. But it's definitely not easy because, I mean, as you know, the culinary scene has always been very male-dominated. But I think in the recent years, we see a lot of females trending even in the savory scene. So I think that's very encouraging. I mean, I might be one of the early starters, but then I think I see a lot of new generation now like you watch MasterChef, if you watch a couple of these shows, you actually see a lot of females giving it a shot. Uh, it's definitely encouraging, but at the same time, I would say it's a lot of hard work. We, we don't have the same physique that guys have. Although we have a lot of other plus points, we pay more attention to details, we have a more emotional side to us. So when it comes to leading a team and all that, we do see things from a different side, which I think has helped me along the way as well to be more empathetic. And I guess to be a little bit more motherly, <laughs> I tend to like mother my team a little bit, but not easy. I have a lot of injuries as well, just from just working in the kitchen. So these are things that people don't really know about, but it is part and parcel of this career in general as a chef. You can't avoid getting burns, you cuts and things like that. And it's definitely very tiring to be standing. I mean, I had slipped this a couple of years ago. I'm okay now, but definitely build your physique to be strong, both physically and mentally, because the job itself is it's very taxing both mentally and physically. Well done to you. Ten years. Yeah. <laughs> Ten years. <laughs> you don't make it sound super fun, I must tell you. <laughs> I mean, there, there are fun times, but definitely it's not as glamorous as what people make it out to be, like how you see on TV. There's a lot of hard work behind it. So I'm just giving advice to those who actually want to start on this career that just if you want to do it, you really need a lot of grit. I think people listening to this probably just want to come and try your food. <laughs> That's what they want to do. <laughs> but I, uh, I guess after listening to this, they'll appreciate it more. Petrina, let's finish off with you sharing maybe some of your favorite spots. Where do you eat and uh, what do you eat in Singapore? And what would you recommend for people to try? Actually, in Singapore, I, I really like our local food a lot. I think it's something comforting to me because I grew up here as well. And I love noodles. I love rice. Of course, I would definitely recommend our Hainanese chicken rice. Pretty well known. But everyone has their different favorites. I also like a minced meat noodle or the local, we call it bato mee, which is minced meat tossed in like noodles. I eat that a lot for breakfast just before work. You know, I need carbs <laughs> for work. And then another favorite of mine is laksa. Laksa is made out of coconut, coconut milk and chili paste. And then you'll find prawns, you'll find fish cake and cockles in there. So those are like my three top favorites, locals. For favorite spots, Hainanese chicken rice, I like Fuxing Golden Hill. It's not so famous like Tian Tian, you know, where Bolin has gone and all that, but it's one of my, my comfort foods. And for laksa, I like uh, Sungai Road laksa. It's still cooked on the charcoal. It's still family-owned, uh, family-run. But the bowl is really small, so I need to order two. <laughs> and they, they, they don't change the size, so that's what you need. And they don't give chopsticks, so you have to learn how to eat it with a spoon. Oh. Um, yeah, so that's uniquely them. 
But you still see them using charcoal, which is really hard to find nowadays in Singapore. You know, given like we have modernized everything, using gas, induction whatsoever. But this place still uses charcoal and you can taste it in the food. For minced meat noodles, I like this spot pretty close to Dempsey, my workplace. It's called 58 Lengkok Baru Bato Noodles. So yeah, those are my three favorite spots. Amazing. And I definitely... <laughs> take you up on the laksa recommendation my absolutely favorite 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 yeah ever. very good yes love laksa <laughs> Petrina this was amazing thanks so much for taking a moment to chat to us all the best with your endeavors and be careful don't burn yourself in the kitchen <laughs> <laughs> thanks for having me take care yeah. bye bye thanks to Petrina Law for today's conversation Her restaurant in Singapore is called Morsels, if you want to check it out. And I would love to hear what you thought about the Singapore episodes or the other episodes of TravelZoom for that matter. We are at aga, that's A-G-A, at travelzoompodcast.com. Coming up next time on the show... I think it's a place of surprises. It's a place that people don't expect. I think when people first hear about it from overseas, they just expect tall buildings, stock market, busy streets. But when you come here, you find it's a lot more than that. There's uh, mountains, there's islands, there are bays and rivers beyond the city. And it's a place which you can spend not just your whole holiday exploring, but actually months and years if you decide to live here. We'll be doing a special episode about Hong Kong, the city that has been home for me for eight years. But I will be leaving Hong Kong for good soon, And I can't imagine a better guest for the episode about this city than Pete Sparia. Pete is well known for his best-selling guidebooks to Hong Kong, the walking routes, the hidden gems and the stories behind them from Pete's guidebooks filled many of my weekends in Hong Kong. My conversation with Pete Sparia next time on the show. Meanwhile, take care of yourself and keep on exploring. Just to let you know, it will be somewhat edited for publishing, so it's not going to be used the way we speak now. <laughs> cool. In case I stammer. <laughs> we'll, we'll make it sound smooth. <laughs>